Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job. Um, i got to be honest with you, Pastor knows this was probably one of the most difficult passages I've had to look at in a long time. Um, you know, sometimes you come to God's Word and you just feel so good, you're just ready to praise the Lord. And other times you come and you're just kind of left disquieted and, and it's, it's difficult, especially when I'm looking at a congregation that I know have been through a lot. We have a lot of people here that have experienced a lot. And, you know, thank God we got some good news about Manny yesterday, which was a real answer to prayer. But there's a gentleman that, that can really explain in a family that can understand what Job was, was dealing with as he spent the last five, six months, probably in the place I hate most in the world. There's like no place in the world I hate worse than a hospital. I'd almost rather be audited. Um, in fact, when I was in the hospital back in 2010, um, I considered it uh, mandatory captivity. It was uh, on the scale of prison sentence. And um, the only thing I hated worse was their food, which was really enough to make you sick and put you in a hospital. But, um, you know, we serve an awesome God, don't we? As we have been singing, and I hope that, you know, you listen to the words that, that, that we were singing because when troubles come, and they will and do, we need to lean on Jesus. We need to understand his amazing grace. The worship team began, and they had no idea what, what I was going to do. I had no idea what they were going to do. But a couple of years ago, we were invited to the embassy in Washington, the embassy of Israel. And it was really interesting because, you see, once you cross the gate, I was still in Washington, D.C., but they said, welcome to Israel. Because as I crossed into that embassy, I now entered Israeli soil that was loaned and given to them by the American government for their embassy. So technically, when I entered there, I was in the state of Israel and under their protection. And we sat down and had lunch with the ambassador and had an opportunity to listen to him speak. And I know there's a lot of debate about God's primary name, which is usually written in the English characters YHVH or YHWH. Technically, in Hebrew, there's really no W, so it would be YHVH. And uh, it's usually pronounced Yahweh, Yahweh. Uh, the Jewish people use the name Jehovah. And I figure it's their God's name, so I figure I'll give them the deference that they probably know what his name is. But the ambassador told us that when God identified himself as I am in Exodus, he was making a very, very, very important statement because he was saying, I will be what it shall be. When he identified himself to Moses, Moses, what is your name? How can I go back and tell the people of Israel that, that, that God has, has spoken to me. What shall I tell them? And he said, you go tell them I am that I am. I will be what it shall be. Whatever happens from here on out, I'm it. You know what? As a believer, that should give us great confidence because that's the same God we serve today. And the moment you came to Christ, you were born again. You were bought with the blood of Jesus, not with the blood of bulls and goats. You were bought with the blood of the precious, spotless Lamb of God. And now you belong to Jesus. You're His. And so whatever happens, as we used to sing in that old hymn, every joy or trial falleth from above. 
traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. We may trust him fully, all for us to do. But they who trust him wholly find him wholly true. And that's exactly what's going to happen here with Job. As we come to Job 2, and uh, we're, we're kind of picking up in the same way that we were with last week's chapter. A lot of similarities here. In Job chapter 2, it says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Now, a couple of things I wasn't able to catch up on last week's message, so if I am repeating, I'm sorry. Uh, I was in Michigan last week enduring the same kind of temperature and the same kind of snow, just less of it. And I didn't get home until late, uh, late Thursday. But um, when you look at chapter 1, chapter 2, and Satan comes, I need you to understand, Satan is not the god of evil. He's not on the par with God. He is a fallen angel. He was created by God, for God. He was probably the chief, uh, one of the chief angels, if not the highest rank. He's called the anointed cherub that covers. And he saw what God was doing. He said, I will be like the Most High God. But he is totally answerable to God. When God says hop, he has to say how high. And when God says come, he has to come. So when God says the sons of God are coming to heaven and they're reporting to me, Satan's got to be there. He can't say, no, nah, I'm not coming. Because he doesn't have that kind of power. So God summons the angel again. And as we go through this, you're going to really see a picture of why he's called Satan. Satan means he's the chief accuser of the brethren. Peter tells us he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And now he's going to have his eyes set firmly on Job. Take a look. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? God knew everything that Satan was doing. God knows where he is every moment of every day, every nanosecond. God knows what's going on. But God wants to give him a chance to see what he's going to say. He's kind of putting him to the test. Where have you been? And Satan answered the Lord from going to and fro and roaming on the earth, walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I never saw this before. I've read it dozens of times. But God calls his attention to Job. Of all the people in the world, God chooses Job. You know why? Because God knew Job. God knew exactly what Job was going to do. Because God knew the end from the beginning. Because God is sovereign. So when we look at this, this wasn't random choice. It wasn't like to tell the truth or, or, or are you the person I want to choose to be on my team? God says, have you considered Job? Have you looked at him? My servant Job, there's none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. You see, Satan came. And Satan was presented with Job in chapter 1. And Satan said, look, of course he loves you and praises you. Because you've protected him and you've given him all this blessing. Job was probably one of the richest men of his time period, which was the patriarchal period, the same as Abraham. And he said, take away everything that he has and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, go ahead, make his day. But you can't touch him. 
and in a matter of seconds, we know what happened. Well, now God has Satan come up again and he says, have you looked at Job recently? I'm not sensing any cursing going on here. I'm, I'm getting a lot of praise. Well, Satan's the chief accuser of the brethren. And Satan answered, verse 4, he answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. He's saying, look, he would trade his, his kids, he would trade all his animals, he would trade his servants, he'd trade his wealth, he'd trade his house, he'd trade everything for his own life. You know, there are people that would do that. There are people that would do that, that would trade whatever they could. We used to joke and say somebody would turn in his own mother if it would help him out. But you know, as a believer, that's not how we work. For me, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. You're more important than I am. Lorna's more important than I am. In fact, the entire world is more important than I am. And I think Job, even though he wasn't a believer in Jesus because that was not possible for him yet, Jesus had not yet come, he had a heart that was so in tune with God that even though Satan is going to accuse him and Satan's going to attack him, he doesn't fail. Take a look at what happened. He says, stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. And let me tell you, folks, the Lord gives life and the Lord takes away life and no one dies except the Lord allows it. And we have to hold on to that. This is difficult. You know, as I've, as I've struggled with this because Manny was so forefront in my mind because we all know people that have died from COVID. There are choice servants of the Lord that are in heaven right now because of this insidious virus. And I remember saying to myself, Lord, what a testimony it would be if you would spare this young man and you would allow him to walk away after this horrible stay of time that he's been under the, the, the hospital's care waiting and he's, he's fought depression and he hasn't been able to see his family because of COVID and lockdowns. And there's just so much going on. Lord, what a testimony this would be. I remember praying some of those same prayers when I was in the hospital in 2010 and they were never for me. The same time I was in the hospital, that's when Fran Emmons was going through her situation. And I was praying for her. I prayed for others. I really couldn't bring myself to pray for me because I really wasn't worried about me. I was worried about other people. And it's difficult to go through these times. There are so many of us that we've seen go through these kind of things. And I look out over even our congregation today and I see some of you and I, I remember. And it's not easy. God said to Satan, okay, He's in your hands, but you cannot touch his life. And maybe, maybe sometimes when we're going through those difficult times, maybe sometimes when we're facing those trials, maybe it is Satan, and maybe God is allowing us to be tested because the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And folks, as, as much as I love you and as much as I appreciate what we try to do, we're not perfect, none of us. Starting with this speaker, going through this congregation, we're a not perfect lot. You know, when my girls were born, they were the cutest little girls that I ever knew. Jamie was seven when I, when I met her. And I mean, she was so adorable. 
she kind of knew how to do things wrong. And Andrea, when she was born, I didn't have to teach her the sin. She got that right from me. I just passed that little gene right on, and she knew how to do it. I had to train them to do right, to shun evil. So please, let's not put ourselves in a position where we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Because I have not arrived. I don't have a halo yet. I, I, I'm not in heaven with the Lord. And, and it is totally possible for me to do anything and anything wrong that is possible to be done. And the Lord chastens us sometimes because that protects us and it corrects us. You know, the, 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 there's times when we need course correction. Even as believers, even as adults. All I know is that Job was assured that God was in control because God said, you can't take his life. That is totally reserved for God. So we see here what happened. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, verse 7, and struck Job with painful boils for the, so the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself. I mean, the picture here is just so, it's just so sad and so frightfully gross. I feel my heart as I looked at this and I looked at what the diseases possibly were, I was so thankful I'm not a medical person. Because to, to have to deal with this kind of pain, torment and suffering and, and to see the physical maladies that can come, it's gotta be so hard while he sat in the midst of ashes. And then his wife said to him, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, there's a way to look at this and think that, that maybe she wasn't on board. I, I tend to think that maybe, maybe she, was, uh, she was just watching her husband hurt. And I think she was thinking, maybe if you just curse God, he'll take you out of your misery. She didn't understand. And you know, sometimes if you really think about it, when people are going through these kind of trials, be it cancer or whatever, sometimes you go in and you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You just know you want to do something. You want to say something. But uh, there's just there's no words to begin to express. And sometimes you almost begin to feel you would be better off with the Lord. And I totally get that. And sometimes the Lord allows us to go home to be with him when we've been through those difficulties. I watched my mom in July of last year go home to be with Jesus. And I'll tell you, there was nobody that wanted to be home more than Vera. I think she was counting the nanoseconds. And even up until that last Sunday when I spoke here July 18th and she went home to be with the Lord on July 19th, she went and said to me, why am I still here? I, said, I don't know, Mom. I have to talk to the Lord about that. That's not on my pay grade. And, you know, I started to joke with her a little bit, but the bottom line is she wanted to be with Jesus, and, and the suffering was increasing. She wasn't in pain. Thank you, Lord, for that. But she had just lost the ability to do so much, and, and she didn't feel well on that last night when she was afraid to have the light off. I knew we were close because that wasn't Mom. That homegoing, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. And sometimes getting to that preciousness can be very painful and, and very arduous and difficult. But it's sort of like labor pain, you know? No, I've never had that, thank you. 
Those of you who have, you know what I mean. They tell me that when you're ready to bring a baby into the world, that it's probably one of the most painful things that you can endure. But as soon as the baby is born and you look at that beautiful little face, you kind of forget the, the pain. Until the next time when you have to do it again. And then you say, why did I do this? That's sort of, folks, how the drama down here is going to be. It's going to be just, just a little bit, even if it lasts years, in comparison with eternity. Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You see, Satan is just, just rife with, with, with accusations, and, and, and he would go and throw it in the face of God. If you just touch him, he'll curse you to your face. But Satan was totally restricted by God, wasn't he? Because, okay, go ahead, but you can't touch his life. And folks, I need you to understand, Satan is always ruthless in his attacks. When Satan attacks, it's going to be no reserves, no holdbacks. He's just going to give it all he's got because that's what Satan does. Because you see Satan as the chief accuser of the brethren. Next to the Jewish people who are God's chosen people, he hates believers with the fire of a thousand sons. And he will do whatever he can to cause us to slip up, trip up, and to, to, to fall on our face because he wants to take us out. Not, 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 not physically, but he wants us out spiritually because, you see, sometimes we can get into a situation where maybe we sin and we think it's so bad that we, we just take ourselves out because we feel no longer worthy to be able to share. Or sometimes it can cost us. It can cost us a ministry. It can cost a pastor his pastorate, or it can cost a deacon the opportunity to, to serve and minister because of sin, because sin has consequences. But you know, the thing that is really so clear in this passage is the fact that Satan can be routed by faith. Job doesn't sin. Now, I'm not telling you Joseph or that Job didn't sin. Job was not perfect. But through all these tests, the Bible tells us there was no sin that Job did through these testings. He didn't sin. And his reply to his wife showed that what 1 John 5, 4 says, he was an overcomer. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You see, Satan is the world. Satan is the picture of the world. It's the world's standard. It's the world's values. It's everything that's wrong is, is Satan. And, and we need to be overcomers, don't we? We need to overcome the world. Not We're in it, but not of it. We're, we're in it, but not like it. We should be different. We're to be salt and light. As I went through this and as I looked at it, I need to remind you that God loves us. He loves us so much as we've prayed, as we've sung. And he will do whatever it takes for us to, re for us to receive his best, which is ultimately heaven. He never promised you a rose garden down here. He never said you'd go through life and have no problems. In fact, he tells us that the world, you're going to have tribulation. And that's not the great tribulation. That's just 
Living life is a tribulation. And I thought that yesterday as I was out there shoveling, just feet, oh, boy, this is, and that's nothing in comparison with what tribulation is. But my knees weren't happy yesterday at the shoveling. And I found that shovel did not work very well. I don't know what the problem was. I came up with four reasons why we can suffer, why there's suffering. I want to focus on this. I want us to look at this from the standpoint of our own lives. I want you to understand why do bad things happen to what we would perceive to be good people? Why in the world do we have tribulation? First, let me, get <clears throat> let me encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Sometimes God is trying to be a disciplinarian. He is trying to, to bring the correction for disciplinary measures. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You're familiar with this in relation to the Lord's Supper. But beginning in verse 30, Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Why? Because they were taking communion in an unworthy manner. They were approaching God with the wrong spirit, with the wrong heart. They, they were approaching and treating it like it was just like a, a, a fellowship time. Take a look right before verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You see, when we come to communion, that's why we take time to to analyze and to pray and to look at our lives and to make sure everything is right. We used to talk about the fact if you've got ought against your brother, you need to go settle that before you take communion. You need to do some spiritual inventory of your life and they weren't doing that. And they were taking communion in an unworthy, unworshipful, ungod glorifying manner. And he says, this is why some of you are sick, why you're weak, and why some have gone home seemingly early. They didn't lose their salvation. But they were called out early because they were becoming a detriment to the Lord. So sometimes cor correction, <clears throat> problems, tribulation, suffering is for a disciplinary reason. Take a look also at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation. Have you forgotten? You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Skip down to verse 11. Now, no, chastening seems to be joyful for the present. It's not fun. We don't like it. But grievous, nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. There was a song that I learned years ago. If I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. You see... Correction produces a change in your life. Or it should. Let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry we're hopping today. Bible drill. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. 
And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Sometimes suffering, sometimes it comes, correction comes because it's preventative. It's trying to prevent us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. You see, sometimes it's really easy. Just ask some of these Hollywood types. I think they've totally bought into all their press. And I think they walk around thinking how great they are. Folks, you know, they're the, the biggest stars, one bad flick, one bad something from, from falling from the highest to the lowest. It's really easy sometimes for people to start to, to buy into their own publicity and start to think how great they are. And I think Paul received this, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger from Satan, to prevent him from thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think. So sometimes it's actually pre it's preventative, it's protective. It's trying to protect you. There's a third one. We go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 5.8, and then we're going to go to Romans 5. Hebrews 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. We're talking here about the Lord. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Romans 5. Romans 5. We're going to go to 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, sometimes it's to produce spiritual growth. Sometimes it's to produce fruits. It's to help us to mature and to be able to accomplish whatever God's called. So sometimes, you know, when I was going through college, one of my least favorite classes was a little class called Greek. I think I coined the phrase, it was Greek to me. Yeah, you have to understand, I went to college late, it was my own fault, but I had not had English grammar since 1971. And I show up in the 80s and I'm expected to know what a preposition is, what a participle is, I'm expected to know nouns, pronouns. I hadn't thought about those things since 1971. And, and I knew my vocab, and I studied, and every week we had, we had three lessons, and then at the end of the week you had a test. Well, at one point I got to the point where you couldn't move on to the next test until you passed the previous one, and I had like four tests in a row. I was going crazy. And every day, I, if I could tell you how many times I was ready to quit Greek and quit PCB and just go back to working in the shipping department. But you see, that class stretched me. And I, I gratefully took my C and got out of Dodge. So, um, Pastor Evans, I love it, but you're not going to hear it's the, the, the Greek participle of whatever, because it's just not there, folks. But you see, I learned through that. And, and the Lord stretched me, and he showed me just how powerful he is to get a guy who didn't know a prepositional phrase from a whatever, that he got me through it. It helped me to grow spiritually. I learned what learning to lean is all about. That was the beginning. 
Because you see, when you're in ministry, you've got to really learn to lean. That was one of the things with, when Pastor Don was ordained, we, we talked about it. I mean, look, it, th- th- this is the high point, but from there, it, it, it really, you don't know what difficulties are until you get into the ministry, let me tell you. And we need to pray for our pastors and the leadership team because the moment they, they get involved in serving the Lord, let me tell you, the problems multiply. And the burdens that, that, that they face and hold that they can't share with anybody, it's hard. You see, these trials and tribulations help us to spiritually grow. And I guarantee the Manny we get back will be a totally different Manny than we ever knew. And I mean, I, I loved Manny as he was. I mean, he, Manny was like practically perfect in every way. He's just the coolest guy. But he is going to be so totally different now because the Lord has stretched him and his family and, and he is not going to be the same. His faith is going to be, have grown exponentially. There's one more. This one's probably one of the most uh, difficult because it's the one that we don't think about. But um, in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, I promise this is the last one. We've got a couple of verses in Acts. We're all done turning. Acts chapter 9, we're going to go to verse 16. At the uh, time when Paul was meeting the Lord on the Damascus Road, we sometimes forget verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, we have whole theologies that are out there that are like prosperity, and they're telling us just get saved, and it's just going to be, it's just going to be great. Let me tell you, get saved, it's going to be great, but it isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to be easy, and no, God didn't promise me a bowl of cherries. Most of the time I end up with a piss. But God promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. And I can tell you, after 64 plus years, he has never failed me. No, not once. Never. And when I think of all the things that he's done, the half could not be told. Skip over to, uh, skip back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, 19 to 20. This is it. Acts 4, 19 to 20. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There came a time when the disciples were brought in before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, and they were told not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus evermore, ever again. And that's when he said, well, should we obey you more than God? Folks, the world is soon coming to the fact where it's not going to like our God. It's already heading that way, and, and it's getting a lot more difficult to love Jesus, to love the Lord, to be a Christian in the world. And there may come a day when they tell us we can't preach this book, we can't teach this book, and unfortunately I'm going to have to take the stand that disciples took. I obey God rather than men. I will support the law as long as it doesn't infringe on my right to declare and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what I am. He said, should we obey you or God? I'll I'll leave that up to the Lord. But that's basically, they're saying that's for me and and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to preach and teach what we have because that's what we were given. Folks, sometimes suffering comes 
so that we can have a testimony, so that we can witness, so that we can declare God's glory among the heathen, so that we can tell unsaved people how great is our God. And let me tell you, folks, our God is great. Job found that to be very difficult, and I understand that, but hang with us when we get to the end of Job. His suffering is also going to just be for a little while. And it's clearly going to point to the fact that the Lord was not done with his servant. And the Lord was going to use him in an exceptional way because he brought glory to him. Folks, suffering is it's here, it's, it's real, it happens. But it's only for a little while. When, uh, I hope she doesn't see this, when Andrea was at MCA, she, uh, she was there at MCA as a kindergartner. And um, Andrea had a little anxiety about this class that was coming up that was called gym. And she did not want to go to school this particular day. And this was not Andrea. Andrea loved school. She didn't want to go. And she's begging her mom, can I stay home? And Lorna knew and understood Andrea pretty well. And she said, well, what's the matter? One of the amazing things I love about Andrea, you know, some kids won't talk. Andrea talked. I think from the moment she was born, she was talking. We figured she could like, give a college dissertation at two, and yet she still wasn't walking. It was that kind of kid. You know, she just really talked well. And she started to explain this gym class that she was just... And you know what? Lorna got this from the Lord. She said, Andrea, it's just a little time. It's just, it's just a little time. It's not the whole day. It's not going to be always. It's just going to be this little time. So Andrea walks into school. She goes in, and she looks at the gym teacher and says, I don't have to worry about this at all because it's just a little time. And he looked at her going, huh, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. You see, folks, suffering, the time down here, it's just a little time. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Just understand the chief end of man is to glorify God, and that's what we want to do. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for this church, for this church family. And Father, as a family in of yours we have been through so much so many of us there are pains and sorrows and hurts and griefs and there's illnesses and sicknesses and family struggles and financial struggles and spiritual struggles and father we we just come before you as a very needy people and we throw ourselves before the mercy of you thanking you beforehand for so great a salvation in jesus we could not get up in the morning except for jesus we could not sleep at night except for Jesus. And Father, you sustain us and you walk us through each and every day. And we're so grateful. Father, may we learn to lean even more. May we learn to trust you even more. May we be able to, through the pages of Scripture, understand when trials and temptations come, why they come. Because they can come to prevent us from problems. They can come to correct us. They can come to, to, to give us a testimony. Father, the, we just need to just try to ascertain what it is that you would like us to do and how we can glorify you. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.